Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I've got John with me in the studio, and we're going to talk a little bit about training. It's something we've talked about a lot in the past, how training is important for us for Airsoft to increase our performance. But in particular, we want to talk about a training session that we just had very recently. And this was an open training session where we invited everyone in the community to come train with us for an evening. And we uh, were very graciously donated some field time, so we were able to you know, has, have as many people as wanted to come show up and practice with us the real fundamentals and the really basic stuff that we always train. Because I think one of the things that we see a lot, and we, we've seen a lot, and we've actually done this a lot in the past too, um, is you train a lot of stuff that's feels really cool to do like room entry drills and uh, all kinds of like you know uh, confusion drills and stuff like that and yeah sure it's fun to do it but really it's not super applicable to airsoft for for us anyway you know we're not doing room entries every game or maybe even every skirmish do we have to enter a building and clear it out like i mean there's lots of skirmishes where that never ever happens um so we really wanted to focus on what we're calling the basic drills really it's the meat and potatoes of um, the types of skills that you need to build as an airsofter. And we wanted to introduce those to everyone in the community, show them how they're done, and also show them how you can do them at home. I know we have a video on this that we did a few years back about drills you can do at home, just dry fire drills, and uh, you know what you can be focusing on to really uh, augment your own skills between games, right? So that was the, the purpose of a training session. And so John was there uh, with us yesterday. And uh, John, uh, you recently switched to, uh, well, not switched, I should say, but you you recently picked up a new Airsoft gun, right? Yeah, that is correct. I just recently picked up a uh, AK-74 with a Romanian Don grip <laughs> and uh, outfolding wire stock. So it's... it's uh, <laughs> It's very old school when it comes to uh, modern looking pieces of kit that we all run. Yeah, for sure. It's not, you know, the high speed operator kind of thing. But oh, yeah. That being said, I mean, it's a it's a cool piece of kit. Like it looks it's not really my style, but I recognize that it is cool. Yeah. And for you, I mean, up until you had used, I think it was Stefan's AK for that one game. You had never really used an AK before, right? That's right. I had used it. Uh, I've used an AK twice, like, uh, yeah, I'd say twice actually, like being behind it consciously. Uh, one was after my motor gave up the ghost and my AR had to, had to bum one off, uh, a buddy and then using Stefan's, uh, beautiful LT, LCT or whatever, AK mm -hmm. and boy, oh boy, fell in love right away. So, uh, yeah. And, and I think. So it's a cool piece of kit. It's something you want to you wanna use and be effective with on the field. So I think having that training session was timely in the sense that you got an opportunity to start doing some reps of all the things that are, you know, our airsoft fundamentals, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I specifically wanted to run my AK for majority of the evening. Um, There's a few drills that we've done that I, I knew I wanted to run the AR for, mm -hmm. but I like there's only so much I found that I can do in my own basement, like just with regards to um, like getting the, the fundamental core fundamentals of manipulation with the right, with the gun and with the uh, just like just getting comfortable with it, like reloads and, you know, manipulating the kit in an aggressive way. I found to be a bit limiting while in my basement because, you know, I'm at home. I don't want to get as close to the wall as I would in frontline. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get, I don't want to ding up my, my floor with metal AK mags. So I'm not going to be dropping them as yeah. aggressively as I would in a game necessarily. So it's, um, there was aspects that I saw beneficial to do at home. Just like just taking a magazine out of the gun, putting it back in the gun, just so I know how it feels. And mm -hmm. then, you know, just very simple things like that, but that's like safe to do at home, I guess, without being like too aggressive with it. And yeah. then there's they just heightened 
just by having that basic fundamental knowledge of manipulating the rifle, putting the safety down, reloading, and I can turn that up to 11 when I get out on the field because I don't care about the astroturf that's on the field we play at. It's, I mean, it's yeah. dirt, grass, mud. So take the mag out and just chuck it on the ground. Just exercise those fundamentals just in a bit more of a, a high-speed environment. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think there's also a, a mindset aspect too. Like when you're on the field, you're in a different mind place, mind space, I think, than you are when you're at home. Like it takes a lot of energy and focus to really sort of eliminate the surroundings that you're in and focus on the things that you're doing. So like I do ready up drills at home, but I don't feel any sort of stress or anything like that. I'm just going yeah. through the motions and building that muscle memory. But it's going to be different when I'm doing other stuff like cover and stuff when I'm just using a corner of a door or, you know, my a doorway to like the bedroom or whatever. Like, yeah, sure. It's, it's okay practice, but it's, it's very different when you actually do that on the field or in field like conditions, which is why I think being able to do like an open training night at the field that we play at with people in our community is a really good way to, to work on those things and put people in the right mindset because not only are you training all this stuff not only are you focused on what the actual cover that you're used you're going to be using potentially is but you're put in the situations where you might actually see this in a game like we were doing and we'll talk about it later we did some bounding movement from one side of the field to the other that's things that we've actually done we've done that in games before right so you add that added level of you know realism for airsoft right that you don't really get just from from training at home especially if you can't do any actual shooting and most of us i would say probably not everyone but certainly most of us don't do very much like airsoft shooting inside our own houses right it's just not yeah. not really gonna happen right <laughs> yeah, this a couple of bb holes in your wall yeah i mean you might do it <laughs> accidentally but you're not doing you're not putting 300 rounds throughout your house right unless you have That's some right. sort of like range built in something but most of us are not doing that at home so you're not getting that sort of quote unquote live fire because it's obviously not real bullets but like live fire training you're not going to get at home so for us to be able to do that at frontline uh, at the field we play on was really important. And before we get into too much, like the sort of the more, the further details uh, of the actual training, one thing I, I really want to talk about, and, you know, it's it's core, it's foundational to the reason why we have an Airsoft channel and we're growing an Airsoft community to talk about Airsoft, which is the knowledge transfer piece, right? So, I, myself, I mean, I've been playing Airsoft for over 15 years. I know, John, you know, you must be just be like pushing 10 or probably a little bit more than that. I know Chris, Cal, uh, Pat, all over 10 years. And that's not to flex on anyone listening and trying to tell them it's like, oh, we've been playing Airsoft so long. But 15 years is a long time. It is, and yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes. And there's a lot of things that I've done that I could have been doing way better, way sooner by virtue of the fact that I've been playing so long. And a good example of this is offside shooting. I was playing a full 10 years of airsoft before I'd ever learned to do any offside shooting. So when I tell people that, yeah, I've been playing airsoft for 15 years or whatever, the point of that is to say, I want the people listening to be able to learn from my mistakes faster than it took me to actually yeah. learn how to get over them. Uh, so if it if you listen to some of the stuff that we did, and I think you know without a, you know doing too much name dropping, Glick on the uh, on the Stormriders Discord is a really good example of how you can learn from people and then apply that before you even dive into something. Glick was doing ready ups before he even played his first airsoft game, right? And yeah. he started playing airsoft at a proficiency level that I myself probably didn't reach for my first five years playing, I'm going to say, maybe even longer than that, by yeah, virtue okay. of the fact that, you know, you're you're absorbing this knowledge. And I have never, and I, nobody on the team has ever shied away from sharing all of our knowledge with people. And in some cases, and you sometimes see this with a bit, you know, more, uh, I think about like old, like CD martial arts, like dojos where the, the trainer, the sensei would hold all this knowledge and would only, you know, give you out little bits by little bits, always keeping themselves better than everybody else. And that's totally not at all our mentality. We want to get out there. We want to share as much as we can. And so in doing that, the people in our community, everyone gets better. And when they get better, you know what happens? We get better, right? Yep. It's it's all 
fun and games to dunk on some rentals, but like giving you a bit of a challenge, you know? So that's like, that's where the merit comes in from sharing the knowledge. So people that are, that are have maybe played like four years, they've developed their own habits, but now by the introduce to, I mean, this is just echoing what you're saying. You're just, you're, you're, allowing people into like our realm of how we see and do things. And now they're going to take what they've learned from us, incorporate that into their habits and they're going to ultimately be better. Mm -hmm. And that's because they're better and they're going to dunk on us even more. So we got to be even, you know, we got to step it up. Totally. And I mean, even yesterday we had one of the guys from the community uh, whose name is Matt and he's really, really good. And people were saying, Oh my God, you're making Matt even more dangerous. And I'm like, good. Bring it on, because yeah. it, the more he dunks on me, the better I'm going to be forced to become in order to keep up with him, which is excellent. Yep. That's exactly what we're looking for. Um, and at, like you said, like it's all fun and games if you're just going out there and crushing all the time. But that's no fun for it's not. Eventually, it's, it loses its luster for you, yeah. and it's not certainly not fun for the other people who you're trying to bring into the community. So it's for our money, it's a much better use of our time to try and take all these people who want to learn airsoft and join the community and be like, hey guys, come learn from us. And at the end of the day, I mean, you don't have to listen to anything that we say, really. You can come and you can pay attention and, you know, be respectful, but then form your own opinions and say, you know what, that's, these guys, what they're saying is bunk and I don't want to listen to it. That's Mm -hmm. totally cool. Um, But really the purpose for us is to share that knowledge and spread it as much as we can uh, because as I've said many times on the podcast before and I said it yesterday as well, you know, the rise tide lifts all boats if one person gets better and the community gets better everyone gets better as a consequence of that and that's why these sort of open training sessions are a great way to build a community where people are sharing rather than trying to sort of stick to their own stuff so that was a big part of why we would do a session like that but the other piece is we think that airsoft practice is important, right? You should be practicing your fundamental skills. You should be working as a team. The only way to do that is to actually get out there. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's all relative. I mean, you don't have to do it, mm-hmm. but ch- ch- nine chances out of 10, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone that wants to get better at airsoft. So like you, you just incorporate your own habits into the, the stuff that we've kind of displayed. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, not only is this training like, for us and our community it's i mean also for you guys yeah and we did record lots of video yesterday and the intent is to create a video of that training so that people can see how a training session uh, one of our training sessions is structured what it is that we work on what the drills that we work on and you know we don't do very many uh i'm going to say like high speed low drag sort of drills like it's all meat and potato stuff uh, and we'll talk about those drills just in, in a few moments. Uh, so, so before we dive into the drills, so the, other, the last thing I'll say is when it comes to practicing airsoft, really, that's up, entirely up to you. Like, John, you were saying, like, if you don't want to practice, that's totally cool. But if you are going to practice, you might say, well, Phil, you know, I don't have an hour a week to practice. That's fine. Do you have like 10 minutes on any given evening to just pick up your rifle and do, you know, 20, 30 ready ups? Like that'd be, that'll be yeah. fine, right? That's value added. That's 20 or 30 ready ups than A, you would have done otherwise. And B, that many people at your field are doing that night, that week, that month, right? So every little so, bit that you can do adds to, assuming you're, you know, taking the time to practice correctly and, you know, watch your form and correct yourself and all this kind of stuff. It all adds, adds a little bit of value. So it doesn't have to be these big training sessions like we did yesterday. It can certainly be, you know, 15 minutes here and, you know, it could be an hour a week, an hour every two weeks, an hour a month. It's all of that is better than not doing anything. Although we do recommend, we've talked about it before. A lot of these skills are perishable. So you should be doing them at least every once once every couple of weeks. Now, if you're playing once every couple of weeks, then that's great. You're not necessarily going to lose those skills as much, but we would certainly spend, encourage you if you are listening to this and you're interested in augmenting your own performance to, you know, go once, at least once every couple of weeks, pick up your rifle, do some ready ups, do some reloads and sort of keep those skills fresh. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the actual training session that we did. Uh, at the start of the session, we started talking uh, about gear, actually. We were like, how we choose gear. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, because I know your gear has changed, well, I mean, pretty substantially, actually, over the course of the last, oh, yeah. like, you know, let's call it year and a half. That's not to mention, of course, your your overall transition from World War II kit to, like, well, modern slash Falklands kit that you sometimes rock as well. Yeah, yeah. See, I joined, like, I started playing Airsoft with Cal uh, back, like, 
I don't know, over 10 years ago or whatever with you and Pat. And I mean, our community was super small, but I knew what I wanted to get out of Airsoft at the time. That was all World War II centric. Mm -hmm. And you guys, on the other hand, I mean, you were all more modern Cyraz, you know, like early 2000s type kit, you know, that's, I mean, that's what you found. That's what sparked your interest at that point in time. Yeah, totally. And over the course of that transition, I stayed relatively in the past with retrospect to my kit. And you guys were always looking further and full, further and further forward in terms of development and modifications and, you know, the general ease of life that modern kit allows you to have. Mm -hmm. So as you guys were making these, like chipping away at the marble stone, you were, you were always like, evolving your kit to form the get the next base of what it is that you're trying to achieve which is ultimately being proficient on the airsoft field yeah so you would ditch your cyrus in favor of a jpc you've now ditched your jpc in favor of a chest rig because it makes you more it makes you more proficient in what you want to get out of airsoft so what i found was i i was stuck quite literally in 1940s kit so by that time like after six years of playing with you guys and watching your kid evolve, you were in a proficient, you were in a good, adequate space to be like, well, I think I want to make the, the transition to modern kit. And so you had plus five years from when I started playing, plus six years. So you had 11 years of experience behind you, whereas I had zero experience, relatively speaking, when it comes to modern kit. Mm -hmm. So you were already at a good jumping off point because you've made so many mistakes and you made so many triumphs that you were able to like, all right, let's get you situated. First thing you need is a, a working gun, a radio, BBs, a place to store your magazine, uh, and some, you know, some woodland kit. So right out of the gate, I had such an advantage over where you were. And it's going back to that kind of lick story where, you know, he just, he, he watched what we put out and what others have put out and, we're engaged in our community and he found that he, him doing the stuff that we kind of discuss in our videos gave him an edge. And I kind of see myself in that similar position that looking at it in this perspective being like, I had the, I had the advantage of all your failures behind you guys to inform me to when it comes to getting kit and stuff. Cause I mean, mentality wise, I'd be like, I'm just going to get whatever's cheap and, you know, mm -hmm. believe it or not, Cyraz is an old, like, like Condor kit is pretty cheap and it does the same stuff that you, you guys were doing six years prior. So like I, I had the, the added benefit of all you, like just having your knowledge there and you, I, there was nothing being held back. It's what you viewed at the time was like, this is what I deemed best for what I think you would adapt to in a play style situation. Right. And so that's certainly one piece, but then the other piece is, so now you have to learn how to use all this stuff, right? Yeah. And that's where a lot of these, well, I mean, obviously playing games, but like this is where a lot of these drills help shake that out a bit, right? Definitely. So I like going into the modern kit, like I knew, I, I, I've, I, I've definitely seen a lot of movies about modern, modern like army units and stuff and special forces. So like I knew like the, the very tip of the iceberg in terms of, oh, this is how you hold a, an AR-15 style rifle. They always have their fire selector toggled between safe and semi. So like I knew going into it, like there were certain aspects that like were already kind of ingrained in myself. So like, even if I, I wasn't necessarily running the kit, I knew about it and I was in the back of my mind. So when it came time to actually pick up that, that style of kit, I had that fundamental knowledge. Then it slowly incorporating the, this the play styles the ready ups the offside transitions the incorporation of a sling mm -hmm. like all these li little aspects into like my my overall playing style i mean it, i don't think it would have been possible to be at this level that i am right now and i think i'm at a pretty proficient stage of my airsoft career and i can only get better if i just keep on top of what I've already been learning for the past uh, four, four or five years that I've been 
running with you guys or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, even in that time, I think what we've trained has also changed, right? In, in the training sessions. I remember like the oh, yeah. one of the first training sessions that you came to, like we tried to put you in a plate carrier and stuff and it was like way too big for you. And the drills we were doing yeah. there then were like very much like, you know, sidearm centric and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That, I was just about to say that, like that we were so like, it seems like it was so, my recollection of it was, it was ready ups, mag changes, pistol transitions. Yeah. Those were like the three fundamentals that we're, that we were harping on to, to know. And like, I knew myself and I was like, I don't really see the use, use and need of having a sidearm, sorry, sidearm on my person during an airsoft game. Cause I've had a 1911 for my American kit and I've never once used it. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that likely due to the fact that it's not really designed to be hauled out in a pinch? Likely, but I mean, I had already formed that interpretation of I'm not, I don't use a pistol, therefore I don't need the pistol. I have, I can just train on other aspects to make myself even better. Right. Instead of what, because I remember I put on someone's belt and I think, I think Pat or someone, maybe you gave me your sidearm to do some transitions or uh, pistol draws and stuff. And I'm like, sure, this is sick, but like, this is not practical for myself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think since then, uh, our training has really gravitated away from a lot of the stuff that is probably less practical, right? We said this to the, you know, one of the first things we talked about um, with the group yesterday was explaining that, you know, there's a lot of drills that we've done in the past that might have felt really cool. But ultimately, if you think about how many times does that actually happen to you in an airsoft game, it's really not that many. So free and pistol transitions are a great example of that. We used to train those all the time. I used to train them at home with a timer, getting faster and faster, drawing my pistol and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's fun and it's something you certainly can do. But at the end of the day, when I ask myself how many times in a time critical situation have i had to draw my pistol in the in an airsoft game that number i I mean in total in all my years playing i can count them i'm pretty sure on one hand much more frequently i have to draw my pistol because i'm going into a building for example and i don't want to shoot people up close with my rifle or it gives me better like cornering or whatever but like in all those situations i have time and opportunity to put my main uh, rifle away and grab my secondary and and draw it out like it doesn't take yeah. me like a minute to do it. it you know i can still take it's still pretty quick but i have lots of time to do it it's never a rush so why am if that never happens if it happens less than let's say 10 percent of the time even why am i spending over 50 percent of my training time on that particular drill it just makes no sense yeah and i was there like i don't even have a pistol i don't have a belt i just have like a couple condor pouches for my <laughs> my rifle yeah and well, i don't understand why i'm doing this but like 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 you're saying you're making a conscious effort when entering a building you're doing so with the the intention of using your pistol to do so yeah so like you're you're i mean i've gotten i know for myself i've gotten one kill with a pistol in all the years i've i've spent playing and i've never once thought this is you know i should take out my pistol here or someone's someone's about to rush me or something and i don't want to smoke them from close range with my air or something i'm going to swift to shift to a secondary never once have really crossed my mind and i think something that we're going to talk about later is like with the offside transitions and the bumps yeah that like proper fundamental knowledge of how to manipulate your rifle in a time critical situation and and utilizing cover to your advantage and is much, much quicker than swapping to a sidearm. Yeah, and, and point of fact, like I think about a game that we played uh, several weeks ago now, but I remember you and I were squaring off against each other and you came around the church and I guess you didn't see me right away. And I zipped you with the with the rifle, like I shot you probably three or four times. Yeah. I was really close. Like I was close enough that normally I would have probably preferred to shoot you with my sidearm. But Yeah, you're within 20 feet, yeah. Yeah, and... I didn't transition to my sidearm because who's got time for that? Like you're right there. My first thought is I got to plug this dude, which I did. And then just carry on that in those situations. You're like, you're never going to draw your sidearm. It's just not going to happen. So why would you train as though you're going to do that? If in reality, your muscle memory is not going to happen. 
right? And it, it really, it's it's not a good. It, I, I personally don't believe that it would have been proper fundamentals to do that anyway, because now I have a I have a sidearm in my hand, but really my engagements aren't going to be that close. Well, yeah, it's also like on that one example, like you didn't know it was around the corner of the building. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that there wasn't three other dudes perched up hiding, waiting to get exactly. a drop on you? Yeah, exactly. I think there is merit to looking at and doing pistol transitions for a field that has a lot of CQC envir- type environments. Like if we had a building or something, if there was an abandoned building that w- was our local field, absolutely I would have a sidearm and I would be practicing my pistol transitions mm-hmm. day in and day out just because that's the field that we play on. And therefore my, my perspective of the game would shift. Whereas we play in the woods and a couple like, a couple plywood buildings. So like there's really no justification for having a pistol in my eyes. I mean, would I like to have a Glock? You bet. They're so sick. But, I mean, I just don't see the use for one right now based off the feel I play at mm-hmm. and my 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 way of my play style. Yeah, and I mean, to, to be completely honest, like I, I'm perfectly fine carrying one. But, you know, one of the things we asked last night at the training was how many of you actually have a sidearm that you're carrying that you would actually be using on the field and about half of the people did. So we didn't actually spend any time really doing anything with sidearms because we don't want to disadvantage number one, all the people who showed up who uh, can't actually do these drills because they don't have the right equipment, right? So that's an open training night, that's fine. Um, Similarly, we didn't do any grenade work because I was the only one carrying grenades, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that should also tell you if half the people are showing up to the field and they don't carry a sidearm, then maybe, you know, they're not an essential piece of kit. And really, they aren't, right? I carry one and I like to carry one uh, because it gives me that sometimes that flexibility. But you know what? If I didn't have one, I have all the personal skills I need to go in that building without one, right? I don't need it to go into that building. I just like to because I don't want to be shooting people up close. But if I had no choice, Right. If I didn't have my sidearm, let's say it fell out of my holster, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not going in there. It's like it's happening. Yeah. It's just now you're just going to have, you know, a bit of a bigger wealth as a result. So in any event, I think uh, we talked a lot about sort of the 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 why and the how around the training. But I, I want to talk a bit more specifically about what we did do yesterday. So we started the night with uh, ready ups, right? Just standard ready up drills from the strong side. Um you all, we then did uh, ready ups from your offside, and for certain people, it's going to be uh, really uncomfortable because they've uh, they've either not spent a whole lot of time, or in some cases, spent no time at all shooting offside. But it's a for us for our money, it's an absolutely critical skill to have. So every time that we do drills, we always do whatever the drill is on our strong side. And we do whatever the drill is on our offside or our other strong side, depending on uh, how you like to, to phrase it, right? Some people say it's your, you know, your um, your weapon side, your reactive side, your strong side, your weak side, whatever you want to call it. Whatever your strong side is, we do the drills with one and then we do the drills with the other. And it's really important because especially in airsoft where cover utilization and manipulating your airsoft rifle around pieces of cover is so, so, so important. You have to be able to shoot from your offside. It's just, it's absolutely critical. And it's its funny, but if you'd asked me that, like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, man, whatever, right? But now, knowing what I know and having done the training that we've done, it's an absolutely fundamental skill. You, you need to do it. And so for our money, for our training, we always always incorporate the offside shooting. And for some people, as I said, it's the first time or one of the first times that they've actually ever done that before. But as you saw, I mean, it pays dividends pretty quickly. You don't need to do it a whole lot to get exponentially better at it. Yep. I mean, just a couple times, like like if you're going to train every twice a month, just you don't even, if you don't have enough time to do it one time, I mean, once a month is proficient enough. Mm -hmm. I think just if you do it, enough reps in that one, you know, say you do an hour, if you dedicate 45 minutes to doing it, I think that's an adequate amount of time to be at least familiar with it. So you just don't suck. You're not a complete novice at it Mm -hmm. when it, when it comes time to for game time and you're, you're on a pinch and the only way you're going to get an accurate shot off is by bumping or transitioning or whatever. Yeah. It's good to have that 45 minutes or two 30 minutes behind it yeah for sure and for us for all the drills that we did 
it incorporates and starts with the ready up because again we've talked about this before many times but the ready up is the bread and butter of what you do on the airsoft field i mean 99 percent of the time your rifle is going to be in some sort of like high ready position ready to engage and you're going to bring your rifle up on target you're going to acquire a side picture and you squeeze a trigger regardless of whether that's an ar an ak a p19 mp5 whatever you're going to be doing that a lot right that's basically snap shooting and yep. you need to be able to do that and so for us whenever we do a drill it's always going to be a ready up to start it right so we did just regular ready ups just starting up just ready up shoot back down shoot back down for a bit then we did shoulder transitions where we would shoot transition shoulders shoot but again it's a ready up so it's like ready up shoot transition ready up shoot transition ready up shoot transition so on then we did reloads and it was the same thing it was ready up reload ready up Right. And again, you're building all of these reps every time. So by the end of the night, I mean, if you've done each drill, let's say, you know, 10 times, depending on how many drills you've you've done, you might have done 50 to 100 ready ups that night. Well, that's great. That's excellent. Yeah. Right. And you can do all of that in the span of, well, we had a lot of different lines because we had many different shooters and we can only had three at a time. But if you're doing this at home, by yourself, I mean, in a span of an hour, you can do a lot of ready-ups. Oh, I mean, you're, the sky's your limit when it comes to your own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like something, I know we all run optics. Yeah. And I know a lot of people run optics as well, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't run optics. Like, I found myself with running my AK that doesn't have an op, has iron sights. And I found while doing my ready-ups in my, my, my basement, I was like, I think this is more valuable now because it's not just simply looking at a dot and yep. putting that behind some uh, behind something. It's ready up, get it's ready, get ready. Think about what you're about to do, which is once I get my cheek weld, I'm actually going to acquire a proper sight picture, making sure that the the front post is in line with the rear rear aperture, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I have to be able to hit something accurately. So I would choose like you know some distinct feature on my wall think about the steps in order to do it do it really slow and and then just keep doing that and slowly but surely i'll incorporate my incorporate faster times into it and just making sure the fundamental thing is don't think that i don't want anyone to think like oh i don't have a red dot site therefore i can't do ready up totally yeah and if you have irons it's even more important to do ready ups do them slow first you know build up the muscle memory make sure you're acquiring that sight picture and you know if i mean a lot of sight, iron sights are if you're using an ak or like they're very dark they have this color of metal so like if you're worried about that maybe it might be worth your time and effort to paint on a little white stripe on the front barely corn sight just so you you can see something and acquire some sort of a sight picture yeah for sure so I, I i found that if my red dot went down on my fal well, I'm the iron sights are hard to use. Therefore, I have to be proficient with them. And getting an accurate sight picture with that, I found drawing a white line with white paint on the front sight was the a good solution to you know that that problem. Totally, and you you raise an excellent point again, which is that part of doing these drills and the reason that we practice is because it helps us to understand the limitations of the kit that we're using, right? So you start doing ready-ups with your AK and you're like, wow, like I can't see these sights on a dark target because there's no dot on the front side post. Or you're doing reloads and you're like, man, I can't reach the mags on the other side of my body. Oh, that's a problem, right? Yep. So for example, last night we were doing reloads and I had three mags in my front and I had two mags in my fast, um, my like my taco pouch on my... Um, left side, which is great when I'm just doing regular reloads, but I'm doing offside reloads. I got to reach across my body. Now I can reach them because I put the pouch there specifically because I can reach them. But if it had been further back, for example, or in a different position, I might not have been able to reach them. Right. So then you figure out, wow, okay. So these are only accessible in one position. Is that really what I want? Um, Or you start doing drills with pieces of kit that you're familiar with, but you do them in a different way. And suddenly you realize, oh, wow, like this is actually hampering 
what I'm doing. Maybe I need to change stuff around and and figure it out. And so like last night, we Cal was showing up. Uh, Cal was showing us how to do um, bump, like bumping the shoulder, right? Instead of doing a full transition, you just shoulder bump so you can shoot from your from your offside. And my sling kept getting caught, and it was just you know a, a bad. Uh, time for me because I was it's my first time ever doing it so naturally I'm not going to be great at it which is okay uh, but I'm starting to see limitations of my kit and I'm like okay so if I'm going to do this I need to set up my kit differently or make some tweaks and that's a whole part of uh, of practice as well right you get accustomed to all that kind of stuff yeah I completely agree and I don't know if you want to discuss the bumping right now yeah, but yeah might as it well. was it, it was really interesting like there was two camps when it comes to bump shooting I don't like. I found that there was the camp that you and Chris kind of fell into right away, and there's a camp that Cal and myself fell into. And it's when you're in the pinch of doing a shoulder bump, it's acquiring a sight picture. Is the the most important thing while doing when doing the shoulder bump? What do you, what do you think? So I per- personally, I don't feel good about shooting my rifle if I'm not behind the sights. That's just, that's just me. Um, if I can't see the dot, for example, that to me is a problem because I, I don't really know exactly where my muzzle is pointing, right? That's, that's the bottom line for me. But mm-hmm. I also understand what you're saying, uh, John, which is like, do you need a good side pictures? Like walk, walk your BBs onto the target if it's a, you know, time critical situation. That's kind of what I was thinking. That was kind of like the mentality behind it that I thought just getting BB sound range is the most important thing in that type of situation where someone's like rushing you yeah. and you have to react. Like you don't have enough time to transition. You don't have enough time to draw a sidearm. It's either you step behind the, the available cover and bump the rifle or bump the AEG or whatever. Yeah. Just making sure you have BBs in it. Your muzzle's pointing in the direction of the, of the threat, essentially. And the reason why I think that is if I can get BBs down there before they make they, they press that corner, that might deter them from taking it so aggressively. Yeah, totally. Therefore, I can get myself in a more comfortable shooting position where the, for me, I can either do one of two things. I can walk the BBs on if it's like it's a, if it's an engagement over a bit of range or I can just merely suppress and then buy myself a little bit of time because of the, the suppression Yeah, that I can actually get into a better shooting position where the, I'm not utilizing the bump. The bump I think is just the, the, the be all end all. It's the quick, the quick and dirty way of just getting BBs down range. Yeah. So we did a really good drill last night where um, we would approach a corner of a building shooting on our strong side and we would fire a couple of shots at a target that we had set up. And then the person running the drill would prompt us and we would basically have to pivot, bump the shoulder uh, on our rifle, and then get on the other side of the cover so we're shooting offside, like basically in a fraction of a second, and start shooting at a second target. And this was to simulate basically you just shot some uh, an enemy player, but now his buddy is rushing you from your left side, so you got to get in cover real quick. And that really, I think for me like like you know how you sometimes say like it, it separated the men from the boys right because <laughs> yeah. cal was really good at doing that i had never done anything like that before and immediately it was like oh my god i'm so bad at this like i'm absolutely horrible um but it was a really effective drill yeah one of the funny things was every when someone would say contact left or left or contact everybody would just transition yeah they would just they would just do the normal transition of as if everything was normal there was such a separation between the actual in, uh, intended drill and what our perception of it was due to the, and that's purely just because of two things, instinct and uh, stress. Yeah. So you're stressed and there, therefore you fall back on your instincts, which is just to transition normally. Which let's but, be fair, is not a bad instinct, but no, it's not the point no, of the drill. Not. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it was funny to see like that. We, I mean, I did it, you did it, Chris did it. Yeah. Uh, I think Kosh did it, Kosh did it a few times. And like, it was just, it was just funny because I mean, it, it, it shows what we put priority on in mm-hmm. a stressful situation. Yeah. But so it was, it was a great drill. And I think, you know, to, to peg onto this, I think you mentioned uh, earlier about like the different camps and it's interesting because I would have said, you know, even up until yesterday, really, I'm like, you know what? I don't bump. That's not for me. I just transition. Right. And really 
by doing that, I'm kind of shortchanging myself, right? If I'm not willing to explore another potential avenue, that's basically like someone saying, oh, well, you know, I've heard of screwdrivers, but I don't really like them, so I only use a hammer. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool, but they're not really the same thing. They, they, are, they might be similar, but really like, yeah, you can hammer a nail in using the butt of a screwdriver, but that's not really what the purpose of it is, right? And even Cal yeah. was saying, you know, when coming back to Aerosoft, when you're bumping, yeah, when you bump, you probably don't want to stay in that position for a really long time. It's going to be harder for you to do your reloads and all this kind of stuff. Transitioning in certain cases uh, is for the long term is better. But he said, you know, in most Airsoft engagement, he just bumps quickly, takes a couple shots, goes back to what he was doing before. And so it's really two different tools for your toolkit and you have to be open to that and we talked about this at training as well like if you're not willing to explore what else is out there in terms of training you might not recognize things that make you a better player for years and years to come so i mean i could have been bumping three years ago and i haven't really tried and i'm only starting to i'm on that path of discovery now uh you know much many years onwards right so hopefully if you listen to this you're and you're like, oh, you had sworn off bumping shoulders, maybe you give it a go because that might just be for you. Now, at the end of the day, now that I've done this drill three times, does that mean I'm going to be good at bumping next time we go to the field? No. And does it mean I'm going to bump next time we play? Probably not. I need a lot of practice before I feel comfortable <laughs> yeah. with it. But that's okay, right? That's part of that learning. But at least you're on that path, right? And the, that's the other great thing about these open training nights is that everyone brings their different perspective. So if you have a better idea or a different idea of how to do something, like we should be willing to listen and learn from each other. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a kind of a perfect storm for a, a Eureka moment because, I mean, Cal just went up to the the target, or up to the, the wall of the building. Yeah. And he just did it literally absolutely perfectly the first time. Mm -hmm. And it really set the stage for like, well, when executed appropriately, this skill is, this is just a, a core fundamental skill that every player should have in their, in their wallet. Yeah, absolutely. And w again, you know, it's a lot of these skills, especially when it comes to new skills, things you haven't done before, training them once, like we did last night, is not going to make you an expert. It's not even going to make you like a novice. You're still like a nobody, right? You need to put the time in if you want to get better at it. And part of these training sessions are about highlighting. And a lot of our videos are the same way. Like you watch the video once, you're not going to, you know, magically know how to do all this stuff, but it's opening your eyes to what is possible, all the different things that you might not be aware of showing you like Cal did yesterday. And I think that that was a perfect, you said it, it was like a perfect Eureka moment where you're like, wow, that was really well executed and it looked really effective. So that's the kind of stuff that I want to learn how to do because I want to be able to do it now. At the same time, when I was doing it, I was also experiencing, as I was mentioning before, gear that was, you know, my sling was getting in the way, was preventing me from doing it as smoothly as Cal. Those are all things that I'm going to have to work on and work through as I'm trying to pick up this skill as well, right? So that's another aspect of why training is so critical. Because if I just go and put all this kit on and then I go to the field, I'm going to start bumping shoulders, it's just not going to work. And I'm just going to end up getting shot and frustrated and just not do it anymore. You need to yeah. learn it a bit in the controlled environment before you take it out to the field and try it out, right? Yeah. And I think, I think bumping is one of those skills where I think that should be that should take priority in terms of if you're already proficient at doing shoulder transitions, maybe lay off the shoulder transitions the next time you sit or you stand up to do some some drills with yourself. Because I think the biggest thing, and I alluded to it earlier, it's the, the instinctual thing for us to do is transition. Mm -hmm. So by putting putting the kibosh on that for a little bit and just actually just saying, no, we're not going to transition today, we're going to bump. We're going to bump and ready up. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, yeah, just incorporate that, that bump into your next training regimen as opposed to that because you have to, I think in order to get proficient at it, you have to make it so it's it's an instinctual reaction. Mm -hmm. that, Or it, not necessarily an instinctual reaction, but it's something that like it's, it's there and you just have to think about, okay, I'm not going to do A, I'm going to do B. Yeah. And it, then it's an inst instinctual reaction. And like you were just saying, it's also about knowing like what your own personal curriculum is, right? You're trying to get better. Like if you are already proficient at doing your ready ups and you're already proficient at uh, doing transitions, we're not saying that you don't do them. 
right? It's like, it, you, it, you never get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I'm so good, I don't need to do these anymore. No, you need to, you still <laughs> yeah. need to do them. But there's a point where you're like, well, today I'm not going to practice whatever. Today, I want to focus on bumping. And so that's what you work on, right? You work on getting that better. Does that mean you never go back to transitions? No. Next time you do transitions and bumps, maybe you do ready ups and bumps, right? And you have to incorporate all of these things. But like really yeah. the meat and potatoes of your training has to be those critical things that you are going to need to fall back on in a game because we we talked about it we've talked about it in previous videos you mentioned last night what we're trying to get to is a point where we are not thinking about ourselves and manipulating our kit and our AEGs or whatever airsoft guns we're using all we're focused on is what's going on on the field where people are moving, looking at our situational awareness, understanding what are the next plays that we need to make, what is the, you know, the next obstacle that we need to that we need to knock down, what's our next objective, whatever. And it's hard to do that when you're trying to juggle all of that stuff as well as all of the personal skill stuff. All the stuff about, oh, well, that piece of cover, I don't know if I can take that because I got to shoot offside and I'm not really good at that. No, like you, should, all of that should come naturally because piece of cover, yeah. go, move. All right, I'm shooting offside because the guy's to my offside. Perfect, great, good. And then I get here, oh, his buddy's coming. All right, quickly bump shoulders, whatever, re-engage. Like all that stuff should be natural. And the stuff that you should be focused on is that's where buddy is. That's where his friend is. He's shooting at me from there. I need to go here. I need to call a friend over to me. And like I said, you can't manage all of that at the same time. It's just not possible. So that's right. Your fundamental skill sets need to be the things that you work on, on during your own practice time, whether it's by yourself or in a larger uh, team setting. So yesterday, I mean, we probably spent on the same, maybe at least an hour, an hour and a half on just the personal skills drills, right? Working as a, as a group. Now, we were cycling through, so not everyone was shooting all the time, but you know, you're working as a group through all of that stuff. Before we even moved into like the buddy stuff, right? And the buddy team movements and stuff, which that is, the purpose of that for us was a bit different, right? It's about getting accustomed to working with other people and communicating clearly and concisely, and I know you threw a little bit of a curveball at me while we were doing those drills, but I, you know, uh, I, I don't, uh, I'm not mad at you for it because I think it does illustrate a thing that does happen to all of us when we practice, which is that you get really focused in so much on the, the, like the what you're doing that you sort of forget the, like the why and the how. Um, yeah. The specific parameters yeah, around it exactly. kind of go to the wayside. Like, so like, for example, the thing I, I threw at you was we were leaving the church and we had one target and I said, where's the contact trail after you were, were engaging? By that time, you were already completely centrally focused on that one target. I mean, part of that was because you definitely knew that was the only threat because it was a, a stage simulation. But it, I, for me, the most important thing when moving with you or moving with anybody or communicating with anyone or playing with anyone is communication, mm -hmm. providing accurate like information to the people that are going to benefit from the most in the moment. So like you were like you were getting all caught up on your words and stuff. He's looked by the by the building the building on the right, and I was like, okay, good, got it. I'm going to move. Yeah. And then, and it's a reason. I mean, I don't know if you've if you've noticed, but every time we do a bounding movement, you and I. I always make sure to say, even if you move past and I know you're set, I can hear your rifle. I, I, I need the auditory cue to be like, okay, he's set. Mm -hmm. And it's something like, even if you're not shooting, like I know you're over at the piece of cover by now. Cause I, I saw you out of the corner of my eye, but it, like the, like the affirmation kind of like of hearing it or the confirmation of hearing you say that makes me more confident in my ability to move. And I've, I, I don't really think I've ever brought it up to you, have I? Like that? No, not certain, really. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, that's why I always ask, "Are you set?" Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, and I think one of the things, just coming back briefly, it's not so much that I was tunnel visioned, um, but I think, and this is really in my own defense, I, I recognize, <laughs> but just I, I think what I was doing is something that a lot of people do when they do drills, which you is it you anticipate. Right. Yeah. My I, my expectation was we're going to do this. I'm going to start shooting. John is going to tell me he's moving 
and I'm going to say go or covering or whatever. And then he's going to go. And so I'm anticipating the drill. So when you, what you said wasn't what I was expecting. That's why I was <laughs> yeah. like, just discombobulated. And it was like, uh, what? Oh yeah. He's over there by the right or whatever. Yeah. And then you went, but a lot of people do that when they do drills, you anticipate what's going to happen, or you don't necessarily put yourself in the right mindset of, I am simulating training. So an example of that also happens when you're doing uh, like shooting uh, like at targets, right? So you shoot your shot and then you just drop your rifle and just go off and do other stuff. But if you were doing that in the game, that's not at all what you would do, right? You shoot yeah. the target and then your your rifle is still up and you're waiting. You're waiting for another target. You're waiting, whatever. So when you're training, why are you, why are you doing that? You, it's just because you're anticipating the drill. Right. So yeah. that's totally what happened. But I think it's what's interesting that you just mentioned is this, this sort of like you need the auditory cue. And I've noticed you do that before, because from my perspective, I'm going and I'm doing this drill. And I'm like, when I start shooting, John can hear I'm shooting. So he doesn't need that auditory cue. And I think if we were in a game situation, it might be a little bit different. You might not mm-hmm. hesitate quite as much. Uh, especially if we were like trying to go, 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 right. It's, it's always going to be a little bit different, but I'd say 80% of the time when we've been playing together, thinking back on it, I've noticed you do that. You're like, Hey, are you set? And it's like, yeah, I'm good. Right. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things. It's, uh, for me, it's a quality of life thing. It's making sure that it's also security as well. Like you've made your move and you're safe. Yeah. You didn't fall down didn't hurt yourself. You didn't get swagged. Yeah. So for like, for me, that, that, it puts a bit of comfort in my, my mind. So like the field was there for you to move and now you're safe. Mm-hmm. And now it's my turn to move. And so another thing, I don't really know if you've noticed, but like I always call where the contact is before I, like I say contact and then I immediately follow that up with where, and if, if applicable, who, mm-hmm. I, cause like the, when I took point on that drill, the first thing I did was I put fire down and I said one contact second building on the right. And you said, okay, and I said, move. And you said, moving. It was a good, good move, good fire muni- communication there. And then you said threat eliminated. So that gave me the security that I knew that I needed to make sure that our left was clear. Mm-hmm. The paper target was dead. It really wasn't going to come up and swack us. It was a really and good then, shot, dude. It was a really good oh, shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> BB went straight through. Yeah. Uh, and then we had the second target up and I took the corner. And I said, all right, contact center village, past the saloon or whatever the building was. Yeah. And you said, okay. I said, move. You said, moving. And the drill proceeded as normal. And then you took out that threat, or I don't know, because I didn't know how the drill was. I didn't, I was focused on myself and you, and I just didn't really pay much attention to it. It's something I need to work on a bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we took the last piece of cover, and I said, threat, fire side, extreme end of the field. And these are things that I've said scattered throughout my vocabulary when gaming. So it's field specific. It's stuff that I know you would understand. And it's something I really, I've really made a conscious effort over the past, like I would say two years to be really concise with my communication and give adequate tight feedback to where just to to purely in the, the, with the, respect of trying to make sure everybody's on the same plane in terms of like situational awareness. Yeah. And I mean, I think if I was to offer some criticism or constructive criticism to you and Chris and Kosh and Kirby and all these other players that play with us is just for me, I'm a big auditory guy. Just, I like the security of knowing where people are as soon Mm -hmm. as, you know, as soon as you see him, you've gotten a lot better. I've noticed over the past, like past season, you've been a lot more like communicative, communicative when it comes to where your targets are. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I've never really addressed it to you. And this is like the first time I'm doing it. And I don't want to, I don't want you to take it the wrong way, which I know you won't, but like, I just, I think that's the, the next step for us in terms of buddy movement. Because I think we have our movement in a really good locked-in space, just because we play so often together. Yeah, like, it's totally. Usually, you and I that like play every week, and it's what's the next step? We are we know how to bounce, we know how to move. What's the next step for us? Yeah. So, and you know, like I and firstly, like I appreciate that feedback. Like I think that's totally fair. I think as well, the main reason that we do buddy movement 
especially during these open training sort of sessions, is that we need to introduce other people to the concept of communicating with other people because yeah. it's not always going to be you and me playing together. In fact, sometimes it's you versus me. Sometimes I might be there and you're not and vice versa, right? So mm-hmm. we need to be able to communicate. And most people are not very good at that just by virtue of the fact that when you're playing airsoft, you're stressed out, physiologically stressed out. You're not worried too much about talking, but people need to get into this habit of just very clearly and concisely saying, hey, I'm, I've got you, you can go, or uh, I'm covering, you move, I'm moving, you cover, whatever that is, and getting used to that cadence. Um, yeah. And we have done that, I would say, relatively successfully over the years, but that doesn't mean we're not, you know, we don't need to learn anymore. I think you're, you're exactly. raising really good points, which is that, so yeah, can I communicate moving and shooting with you? Absolutely. Could it be better if we were even more concise, even more auditory, even more specific? Cool. Let's add that in, right? Let's, and it's not that, you know, we need to do a completely different session. It's the exact same drill. We're adding a little bit of a layer of not complexity, but just a a little bit of a layer to what we do. Right. And I find, I find for myself, like when I'm doing, you, you, you put a good point of like getting out of like the, the loop uh, just then. And I found that by me hollering where people are, it takes me out of the loop and it allows me to think about what's going on in a bit more real time types, like context. You know what I mean? Like I'm able to kind of step away from the, the, the stress of it and just mm-hmm. think about communicating where that person is where that threat is is that because it allows me to be more in the moment i suppose i I don't really know how to describe it it makes me more aware in the game just to be able to think consciously and make decisions under stress in a clear concise manner yeah and i think those are the kinds of things that you can work on when you're playing but you really start to hammer down when you spend some time actually training them and doing them deliberately in situations where people are not actually shooting at and you get accustomed again to that cadence right um and then the next time you're playing a game suddenly hey you know what maybe i can do that right maybe i'm not stressed out right now i'm gonna i'm gonna take a second to call out the target and i'm like oh wow okay no cool so i just did that and now i feel like i'm a bit more aware i've broken some tunnel vision cool so you know, you start that process by practicing it. And it's the exact same thing, you know, in, in a different way, but with like bumping shoulders. I'm not going to go and bump shoulders the next game we play because I need more practice at it first. But once I've done it, you know, 15, 20, maybe 50 times, I'll be like, okay, next game I play, may, if there's an opportunity, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do that, right? I'm going to yeah. try it. I've been practicing it. Now I have a bit of confidence build up, so we're going to give it a shot. It's part of, again, to close the loop on all of this. It's part of why these sort of training sessions are so effective um, when they're when you're focusing on the right things, right? Yeah. Because these are skills that you will develop, that you will work on and grow and learn new techniques that help you grow even further that you are then going to turn around and take back to the airsoft field with you that will make you an even better player than you were uh, before the before we even started. And I'm just going to close off the episode talking about just very briefly about a concept called the 24-hour clone. We talked about this uh, yesterday in the training session. But the idea of the 24-hour clone is that it's a, it's like a, a thought experiment. But basically says, imagine that at the end of every day, a scientist created a perfect clone of you that is an exact copy in every way with all of your skills, knowledge, expertise, everything, everything, everything is exactly the same. And then at the end of the following day, you have to fight that clone of yourself, either a physical fight, an intellectual fight, uh, you know, it could be an airsoft fight. It could be, you know, you have to go run a race against them, whatever it is that are the skills that you're trying to improve. Are you able to defeat that clone 24 hours later? In other words, are you focusing on the things that help you improve incrementally, not night and day improvement, but just day over day, getting slightly better one day after the next so that every single day you're a little bit better than you were the day previous. And then the day after that, you're a little bit better than that again, right? And that's the way that we recommend everyone approach 
their airsoft practice. It's not going to be these huge sweeping training sessions that are going to make or break your ability to do things on the field. It's that small, consistent, incremental practice of the things that matter to you on the field that will help you be able to eventually defeat that 24-hour clone of yourself. Because at the end of the day, like if your benchmark is you want to be better than everybody else, it's never going to be a thing because there's always going to be someone better than you, right? But if your benchmark is I want to be better than I was, I want to be better than myself, I should say, well then... That's easy to do. You just need to make sure that you're growing incrementally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's a very good analogy. So, John, thanks so much for joining us today for to have that discussion. Um, I uh, I hope you guys found it entertaining. I hope you do decide to think about your your own twenty four hour clone and start looking at your own you know sort of practice regimen for airsoft and incorporating some of the concepts we talked about. Uh, if you want to have more discussions with us about airsoft, about anything airsoft related, training gear, guns, whatever you like, uh, please feel free to join us on Discord. We have a really great community. There are lots of different people from all around the world who'd be more than happy to talk to you about you know airsoft in all its different shapes and sizes. Uh, as well, if you want to support the channel we do have a new merch store on threadless it's stormriders.threadless.com uh have a look there's lots of designs up there that you can get on shirts hoodies mugs all this kind of stuff and we do have an olive drab stormriders logo t-shirt that is available up there and there is a sale on threadless at time of recording they're just 15 bucks so go have a, uh, a look at those if you want to support the channel thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week